Hi everyone, and thanks for following my podcast as we journey together on my journey, which is writing The Apple and the Bride, and it's talking about living your passion and changing the world. Well, chapter four is kind of tough. It's very tough, actually, for a lot of us, and that's making changes and using help. And the kind of changes I'm talking about are family members, friends, yeah, family members, um, Some of us are in very toxic marriages. I was. uh, In situations that were really pressing you down into the dirt to the point where you couldn't function the way God created you to function. We have toxic friends. We call them friends, but really they're not. Um, We have other situations that that we need to change. Could possibly be uh, a job maybe even your church. I know I can say as a woman in ministry, there are churches that I have been to in the past. Actually, every church that I've been to in the past would not even consider having a woman speak or teach in their church. It's interesting. Um, Danny Silk, who is from Jesus Culture in uh, California, Danny Silk has an excellent, excellent uh, class that he gives on Leadership 101. And in it, he speaks about how a woman now has come to the point where she can run a company, she can own a company, she can can be a stockbroker, she can be a doctor, she can be an attorney, she can be a senator, or a uh, a representative. She can even run for president. And soon, I'm thinking we probably will have a woman president. However, in the church, we hit a glass ceiling. And it is so true. I have had this discussion with so many people. And I've come right down to the point where I've said, look, you can't tell me that just because I lack a certain body part that I'm not able to speak uh, and to teach the Word of God. That is was never Jesus' intention. Um, but I'm not going to get into that right now on this podcast. But what I'm saying is, if your church, whether you're a man or a woman, if your church is keeping you from being able to walk out your passion and change the world, then I strongly suggest you start looking at other churches. Look into their core values and discover whether or not the pastor and the leadership team are going to back you up in what it is that you know you were created to do. That's just it. I knew, I know what I am created to do. In sharing it with another person or with a team of people, you usually will get a certain amount of pushback. It's like you have to prove yourself until you reach the right person at the right place in the right time. And that person will catch your vision and will encourage you. And yeah, there's some things that you're going to need to learn along the way. Um, You're going to have to humble yourself and be teachable. I've learned that. Um, Lessons we learn along the way are uh, don't think that you can just step right out and start doing it without getting training and so forth. But we've already talked about that. Uh, getting educated. That was chapter three. 
So you may have to change your job. Your job can be, uh, and, and that's pretty scary. But if, if your job is getting in the way, and you're working in the absolute wrong area, and there is an opportunity for you to get a job working in the right area, then by all means, take it. Understand that God will help you if you make this decision. But I always coached my children, never, ever, ever quit a job until you've got another one lined up. <laughs> God it will help you find the right job. However, also understand that sometimes the job that you have is one that you can mentally plan your next steps in life. For instance, if, um, well, let's put it this way. If you have a job that has a lot of manual labor, you're working on an assembly line or you're uh, doing some janitorial work and you have, you can work with your hands, but it frees up your mind to plan how you are going to walk out what it is God created you to do. That's a good thing. But you don't want to stay there, not forever. What we really want to do is ask God, okay, what job do you want me to do? Don't automatically assume, as I did, that if a job offers more money, then it's better. And I talk about how I had several jobs. I mean, I have had many, many jobs. And the reason I quit one for another is because the other one offered me more money. But I needed money. I was raising a family on my own, basically. And anyway, I, I needed money. I had to take care of my kids. And it all fell on me. So I did what was necessary. And that really, my friends, is what the world does for does to us. Excuse me. What we're trying to do here is combat that whole that that whole mindset of um, I can't work a job in my passion because I can't make a living doing that. Well, if it is your passion, as I've said before, if it's your passion and God created you to do it, He is going to make a way. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of realizing that He's going to put the right people in your life at the right time, and people will catch your vision. Now, that may not happen when your kids are little. Maybe it's going to happen after they grow up or they're old enough at least to stay home on their own. But just be open to whatever it is that God does in your life and don't automatically assume that you have to live on the world's terms. So, God will always provide, and that's something that we talk about in this, in this chapter I'm just kind of scanning through. If I hesitate, that's why. Uh, lots and lots of scripture to back this up. But the other thing that we may have to change is our focus. Many times the most important thing we need to change is what we are really... Um, I guess there really isn't a better word than focus. Uh, our pastor at Mountain Chapel, Pastor uh, Brandon Rice, says, your feast is your focus. So you're going to feed on whatever you're focusing on. I, I love that. Your feast is your focus. 
So sometimes what we need to change is what we're focusing on. What are you focused on most of the time? Is it whatever's right in front of you? Uh, does it change lots of times during the day? Or do you find yourself tending to focus on negative things a lot? Or how about in general? Do you feel happy when you get up in the morning? Do you wake up with anxiety, wondering what's going to go wrong at, the, at work today? I have been through years and years of living like that. It is not good for you. What is your focus as far as your family goes? Do you feel like you're just putting out fires all day long? Do you feel like you should wear a referee shirt and have a whistle around your neck? I felt like that for a long time. Um, one of the most important things we can do is change our attitude. And I know it's not, it, it's, you, you need to have an attitude of gratitude. Um, it's so important. And it does affect how you will respond to things that are going on in your day. If you wake up and you have an attitude of gratitude and you thank God the first thing. And I go through, by the way, in chapter 4, I talk about my little practice, I guess. it's I wouldn't call it a regimen because it comes from my heart, not from uh, a matter of uh, habit. But first I praise God. I worship him with my words in my head because it's like five in the morning. Hello. Um, you're glorious. You're good. You're worthy. You are excellent. And see, I'm focusing on the goodness of God. So my focus has already changed from what my day is going to be like to who God is. And the second thing I do is I thank God for all he has done for me. Um, I, I'm not going to go through every single one of these steps because I want you to read them. But there's uh, three or four more steps that I do every morning. And it has made a tremendous difference in the way my days go. I would say that 99% of the time, I, I have noticed a difference in how wonderful my days are because I do this. Well, I give an example also um, about attitude. When I worked in Pasadena, I worked for a very elite motor uh, uh, car company. And it was um, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Porsche, Audi, etc. And they wanted me to train the receptionists at the other dealerships. There were six of them. And of course, they had rotating shifts. So there was about, I want to say, 20 people that they wanted. And some of them were men that they wanted me to train. They wanted them to be like I was. I have, my voice is, is I, I've been told many, many times over the years, my voice is very soothing most of the time. <laughs> but um, it to me, being polite and professional on the phone comes naturally. It does not come naturally for a lot of other people. <laughs> But I went through, in chapter four, I talk about this little workshop I did. And I showed up in sweats, and I had a bag in front of me, and I plopped it down on the table. I had no makeup on. My hair was a mess, and I was wearing slippers. And I sat down, and people started to trickle in. And I went, oh, man, I really don't feel like doing this today. See, they knew that I was the presenter. I really don't feel like doing this today, but whatever. Okay, I'll be back in a minute. And the guy sitting a couple chairs down from me was just like, whoa. And 
in the meantime, while I was talking to him, I'd taken out a gigantic donut and just started shoving it in my mouth, right? And slurping coffee. And unbeknownst to them, I had my work suit, my heels, my nylons, my makeup, my hairbrush, everything in the bathroom. And I had about five to ten minutes where after I left, I walked into the bathroom and I started very quickly putting my makeup on. I don't wear a lot, so that wasn't too hard. And doing my hair, I just put it up in a, in a French bun in the back, put my suit on and came out. And and I heard somebody go, whoa, and I think it was a guy that was sitting next to me. And then a couple other people started laughing. And the whole point of it was, what did you think of me when I was sitting there, stuffing my face, sitting there in sweats with a nasty attitude? How did it affect you? And of course, you know, we went through the class and, and it was a success. So... Our attitudes are important. They affect the people around us. They affect our effectiveness. <laughs> they affect how we see the world. Another thing that we need to change is our fear of failure. Um, we need to look at it as uh, a stepping stone. And I talk a little bit more about that. I don't want to go too long today, so I'll skip forward. <clears throat> I do give a little spreadsheet, a little pe uh, a little oh, uh, space for you to write things I need to change in my life. One column says what, the next one says how, the next one says start, and the next one says done. And it's a way for you to keep track what you want to change, how you want to change it, when you want to start, and when you finished. So that is chapter four. I hope that you've enjoyed listening. I hope I haven't talked your ear off too much, and I hope that I have captivated your attention. Chapter 4 is a rough one for a lot of people, as I was saying before. But if your life is not reflecting the glory of God in doing what it is you were created to do, you need to make some changes. I'm going to be very transparent with you. I had to get a divorce. I had to move almost a thousand miles away, and I had to start over. It was hard, and I really didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I mean, I, I knew I was starting over, but I didn't see why. I didn't see everything line up until my husband and I started in ministry together. And then one day I realized how important it was to me people find their passion. I'm a public speaker. I do uh, speak at different churches. I speak at conferences, um, and I do. I have this podcast, and it's something that is near and dear to my heart. I feel very strongly about. So I have found my passion. Thanks be to God. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And next week we'll talk about the end of the book, which is chapter five. Bye bye now. <music>